0: Some trouble. Spider-Sense is Spider-Sense.
1: Spider-Sense is tingling. Anybody else's Spider-Sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your Spider-Sense tingling? It was, but now it's frozen solid! To listen to this show, find us on FourEyedRadio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And before we get into this week's episode, we did have some word snappers last week.
0: I think that they were obvious. (laughs) i don't actually remember when they were said but i suspect people probably could have guessed because it was very i i don't really remember
1: very well either i feel like we recorded that episode like a million years ago for some reason Um, (laughs) but it was definitely just okay so the words are i fell asleep in lasagna uh, submitted by Gemma Nicole, our usual patron submitter for this. And it, every everything she's ever submitted has always been amazing, um, including yes. this one. And I knew that at some point I wanted to to connect Craven being a cat like into Garfield, like into lasagna. But oh, there was never a point. Yeah. Right. And there was never a point when it like natural like despite him literally being a cat man, there was never a point when like it made sense to make that transition. And I just so I was just like, I just have to make this happen. It's just it's not gonna be pretty. I'm just going to make it happen.
0: Determined.
1: (laughs) So it happened for better or worse. But, you know, but hey, you know, got us to talk about Garfield on our podcast. That's a win, I guess. I I
0: don't know. (laughs) We're not always going to hit a home run. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, we're still talking about Spectacular Spider-Man, not Garfield, actually. Of course. I know that's what everyone was coming here to uh, to hear our thoughts on Garfield. I'm actually wearing a shirt with Garfield on it right now. Coincidentally, that wasn't intentional.
0: Very cool.
1: Man, the <laughs> stars are just aligning right now. But anyway, yeah, we're talking about Spectacular Spider-Man, which is a very good show that we like a lot. And, you know, we're we're getting right back into the thick... I can't think of a transition, so let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> This show, if you'd like to watch along with us, and you definitely should, it's available on DVD and Blu-ray. Blu-ray is, like we said, out of print, but, you know, you can still find it for like $200 some places. And it's also for purchase on most digital platforms, but it's well worth the purchase. So you can watch this really fun and uh, action-packed episode.
0: Oh yes, action Pact is the number one way I would describe this.
1: <laughs> Did you expect the Sinister 6 to be a thing so quickly, like so early into the season?
0: No, nor was I really expecting the Sinister 6 to be so literally a thing again.
1: Right? It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> like I get it sort of. Like I mean it's I don't know. I guess we'll get into it. It's sort of like was this like was this Necessary, But I think it's one of those things where we would have to watch the full season and then there probably maybe just really wasn't another point when they could have done a Sinister Six episode. It just feels really weird to have episode three be a Sinister Six episode like right now, you know, and it literally being another Sinister Six episode. But I don't know.
0: I, I don't think it's necessarily weird if – and I don't know when else we would talk about this. So I think it's fine to just say that, like, this episode features the return of a Sinister Six I don't think it's necessarily weird for this to be when it happens if they were determined or felt it necessary for it to happen again because mm-hmm. I don't think it would be good for the second season to lead up to a second Sinister Six. I think that would feel like a letdown. So to do it oh, early shit. on in the season and to have it be an establishing thing as opposed to a build-up thing, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't entirely know yet why the need for a literal second Sinister Six was there in the first place, but the show is one that I've learned to, to just like ride the wave of because I know that things aren't done haphazardly or without a purpose. Yeah. So, I I mean, we'll see that, you know, after this episode and, you know, we've seen next week's episode as well. I'm sure that, that it's all purposeful in, in, in the way that it shakes out over the course of these two episodes. Um, but I was definitely surprised. I was surprised to see another one.
1: Yeah, I, I'm curious to see to hear some of your thoughts on it and to break some of this down because I do have like I don't feel like a lot of the master planner stuff, like the actual mas- master planning necessarily holds up upon thinking about it. Like a lot of the events of the episode and a lot of of these this and the next episode. Honestly, I like I like a, like them a lot. Like a lot of I like a lot of the things that are happening. Um, but I don't know. That like the sinister Six's use in this makes a lot of sense to me, but we'll get down to it. I could, I'm open to be wrong and have it explained to me because I yeah. don't. I feel like there's just something that I'm not really getting for like why this episode exists. Honestly, yeah. Let's, so. <laughs> let's
0: dive. Well, let's dive into this episode because we have seen and and people have probably picked up on this by now if if they listen to us. Um, if you're listening to an odd-numbered episode, we're recording after having watched two episodes. We record two at a time. I think a lot of the thoughts that will help are actually going to happen next week, but I think there's a lot of really good stuff in this episode that might not answer the question you're talking about, but are very satisfying to me. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Let's do it. We are talking about The Spectacular Spider-Man Season 2, Episode 3, entitled Reinforcement. The synopsis per IMDb... As usual, listen, I don't think is that as bad as usual, but there's a, there's a few things that are, good, that are fun. For example, Sandman and Rhino escape in the Christmas season. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> Craven frees Electro from Otto's lab. They all rejoin Mysterio's gang, no, with Vulture and are presented to the master planner who wants them to inaugurate a heyday of crime by eliminating Spider-Man. Gwen refuses to be Pete's second choice anymore. Spider-Man fight the six under winter condition, conditions and in the mall.
0: Those are very necessary okay. details at the end.
1: Um, there's a lot of words there. Those are fun. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, love, I love them. They're great. I love I love cold reading those, honestly. Unironically, I, I, I think they're so fun. The international air date for this episode was January 25th, 2009, and then it aired in the U.S. on June 29th, 2009. This episode is written by Andrew Robinson, uh, who we've talked about before back in our episode number 14. But this was directed by a new director we haven't run into before, Mike Gogwin. He was a storyboard artist on MTV's Spider-Man and the Ultimate Spider-Man show. So he's worked on other Spider-Man stuff before. Uh, along with Batman, the animated series, and Stripperella, which has weirdly come up a couple of times already, yeah, I think. Yeah, it has. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I'm, I'm very curious about that now because, like... If good animators worked on that show, like, is the animation on it really good? I, maybe. I don't know. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I don't know anything <laughs> about it, to be quite honest.
1: I really I, – I know extremely little about it, too, honestly. So I'm kind of – After Dark? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I think we have
0: to. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. Literally.
1: Literally in After Dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. He also has directed on a number of shows. Uh, he's directed on Men in Black, the series – Jackie Chan Adventures, Batman Brave and the Bold, Max Steel, and multiple Scooby-Doo projects and multiple Barbie movies and videos,
0: actually. Oh, okay. I wonder which ones, because yeah. some of them, as I understand it, some of the Barbie movies end up getting decent. Like, I think, like, outside mm-hmm. the realm of, like, just being a sort of, like, licensed, like, shovel. Not shovelware. That's game terminology, but you know what I mean. Like, just the type of stuff that you crank out. And I, as I understand it, some of them have been pretty good.
1: That's what I've heard too. I know a lot of the online videos um, that they make. I've seen like mm-hmm. clips from some of them, and it's like, oh, these are extremely good lessons to teach, and kind of uh, yeah.
0: nuanced lessons to teach to children. This is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to know which ones, which ones those are, and which ones he might have worked on.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: there's really th- these next two episodes don't introduce. A ton of characters, but there are some folks we haven't really talked about until this point, even if we've seen them. So for this episode, I think it probably makes sense to talk about the Tinkerer. We saw him previously, but didn't talk about him previously, but he's now kind of an important character. So let's talk Tinkerer. The Tinkerer is voiced (laughs) by Tom Adcox, who we mentioned a week or two ago uh, you mentioned this that he is the voice of lexington in gargoyles i believe you can also find him credited as tom adcox hernandez but for this he was just credited as tom adcox and he also voices Clarion the Boy Witch in Young Justice and had regular roles on a handful of other animated series, including 101 Dalmatians, the series, and Buzz on Maggie. But not a super huge uh, resume, but I like his voice a lot.
1: Yeah, he's got a great like gravel to his voice.
0: Yeah. It's just really unique. Yeah, I don't know what his standard voice sounds like, but I like, I like the tinkerer's voice, you know?
1: Yeah, everything that I've ever heard him on is kind of that. I mean he does like obviously he like tweaks the range of it, but like kind of like a John DiMaggio type of thing where like there's always that very particular vocal quality that's distinctly him. Yeah. hmm Yeah. So it's uh yeah. But it's good. It's a it's a really nice it's a really nice voice. And it's one of those things where like it's fun to see to see him whenever he plays like minor character not not that Tinkerer is like a minor character, but he's definitely like not a main spotlighted villain in the way that other ones are, right? So right. it's always fun to kind of see him voicing a character like this because I feel like Tinker could so easily be a super boring, forgettable character. Right. Just because of the nature of like his role. But just by having a voice actor with such a distinct voice voicing him, um, mm-hmm. and someone who, you know, has has had his has done some good stuff before, like he's a good actor and everything. Like it automatically makes him a lot more memorable and kind of abuse him with a a different sort of charisma than if it was just you know a standard white guy voice. <laughs> sure,
0: yeah, oh, absolutely, I I, I totally agree. I, it's I it's it would be hard to forget. I think this character simply because of the voice actor's work.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Cool. Well, let's get into this one. So this episode opens at a bar. Where Spider-Man is attempting to shake down a man named Blackie Gaxton for information about the missing technology from Mysterio's heists. So I, which right off the bat, I want to point out two things. I enjoy that, like right off the bat, there's like Christmas music playing, and like it continues to pop in and out in significant ways throughout the whole episode. Yeah. Also, one of the signs in the bar that Spidey's in that you see a few times. I think the only sign that's like has legible writing on it says no fighting, spitting, gambling, cussing and scratching, which is so <laughs> specific.
0: <laughs> I like it. There there's a lot of good like little text gags uh in this in this episode. The wall for some reason in 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 the bar says Harry's root beer, but it's not a sign, it's just like written on the wall for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great
1: i don't know why it's like some very particular like graffiti happening where yeah. it's just like it's an ad and it's graffiti at the same time <laughs> <laughs>
0: right,
1: right but anyway uh he's he's in there uh, spidey's in here um kind of interrogating blackie and blackie lets spidey know that mysterio was actually working for someone who was hiring folks up all over town and meanwhile like spidey catches a man that's like attempting to sneak out of the bar like really suspiciously you know so he's trying to get it do a without spidey noticing but obviously spidey notices so he uh he goes out there stops the man whose name is patch uh, and there's a very funny joke because the guy literally has an eye patch and spidey's like your parents like really call that one huh <laughs> <laughs> but either way you know the interrogation doesn't last very long because the guy is just like immediately no. tells spidey of a. Uh, Mysterio's boss's name is the master planner, so that's Spidey's first um inkling that the master planner is is the guy that's uh doing all this stuff.
0: yeah, it's interesting that in both of these seasons, and again, this is so early in the second season, so I could see this shaking out in a in a particular way, given how intentional these writers are, but it's interesting that the first season had this mysterious big man figure. And this one has this mysterious master planner figure. Um, And I think they're too good of writers to just sort of do that every season. But it's interesting, like, kicking off this season with these episodes where it's like, oh, there's this looming presence that is the master planner. Yeah, and it's definitely
1: (laughs) handled – it's handled differently. And I think it's sort of like – The Master Planner's identity doesn't really, like, matter that much in these episodes. Like, I don't even mean that in terms of, like, who it actually is. But in that, like, there's a couple of, like, you know, misdirects for the most part. But, like, whereas the big man stuff was very much, like, who is the big man? Like, who is this mysterious figure? This one's just sort of, like, okay, another mysterious figure. We don't know who it is. He's doing bad stuff. We'll figure it out eventually anyway. Like, it's sort of, like, it's not really – I don't know. There isn't, like, as much focus on that,
0: you know? I guess. I don't know if I I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think it was I think in these first 3 episodes it's like fun to think about who it is. I I I'm willing to say that I think you knowing who it is makes it feel less significant. Maybe that's because what it is. Because now that I know who it is too, <laughs> I think I think that could be coloring it to to a degree cuz starting the season not knowing anything as much as I was like, "Oh, we have another mystery bad guy." That's sort of a strange thing to just do again. Uh, I still was sort of like, I wonder who this is going to be. And so for me, it was it was a I think it was a significant sort of piece of, of what was going on, especially because you see huh. you see people working for him and you see people mentioning him and talking about him and communicating with him. But you don't know who who he is. So I, I thought yeah. it worked. I thought it worked fine. Okay.
1: I mean, I didn't. I don't mean that it doesn't work. I think it's more like that. It wasn't really. I think that they. I mean, part of it is. I think you're right because I think when I watched this originally, I knew about like who the master planner is in the comics and kind of just figured that out anyway. Gotcha. Um, and just and just sort of assumed that they were going with that. And you know, if you know who it is and you're listening to the uh, the muffled voice that the master planner uses. You can tell who the – once you know after the fact, you can tell who the voice actor is, like, when you go back and listen to it. So, like, knowing – assuming that that's probably who it was, I think I – so I sort of – it was never a mystery to me. And I imagine that's probably the case for a lot of of comics people who are watching it too. So that's – so you're probably right. That probably does sort of color my expectation because the show – Either way, it's not treated as as big of, a, of an identity mystery as it could be, which I think is a smart thing. But it is, I think, treated a little more as a mystery than I was sort of thinking that yeah, it I th- was knowing the end point.
0: I think it's as somebody I'm willing to admit, I didn't know who the master planner was because I'm not I'm, I'm not I don't know that from the comics. So I, I still think that it is treated like a mystery until it is revealed. And then once it's revealed, I think that's when it stops feeling retroactively like it mattered.
1: Sure, sure. Well, we'll just, get as to that who, just as somebody who,
0: just somebody who didn't know, like
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in the next episode. Yeah. We'll have there's definitely a conversation to be had about that.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah, either way, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun little mystery still at this point. So elsewhere, uh, the Tinker is kind of watching this interaction on a monitor and calls the Master Planner to let him know that Spider Man is closing in. The uh, master planner instructs Tinkerer to round up the usual suspects, and seven faces appear on the wall of monitors: Rhino, Sandman, Vulture, Electro, Doc Ock, Mysterio, and Craven. We know them. Yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting just right off the bat that like Shocker isn't kind of invited back for this the Sinister Six, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. Like I didn't. I was sort of like, why. I'd actually for- forgotten, like, when, when it gets to the point later on where, like, Doc Ock, it doesn't join them. And it's like, oh, I was hoping it would be Sinister 7. Then I'm like, wait, who are we missing? Like, who are we missing yeah. from the original one? I, like, completely forgot that Shocker was even oh. a thing. <laughs> but, but then it, – but it does make sense because he's the only one – That was like fully in the employ of the big man, whereas everyone else was sort of like working for themselves or if they were working for the big man, it was through Norman Osborn. So like never directly in his employ. So like it sort of makes sense that like he's probably still in leagues with him. Like the big man is still out there and exists. So like, yeah, so it was actually kind of clever. Yeah. And they don't ever call it out either. It's just you just have to kind of figure that out yourself, which is fine. I kind of like of like that.
0: Yeah, but I, yeah, because I don't, I don't think it really, I don't think it really matters all that much. It Doesn't like subtract from anything for him not to be there. It's just if you right. happen to be, if you happen to have gone through what you did, which is like, wait a second, is somebody missing? <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Then it,
0: you realize it all made sense all along.
1: Yep. Yep. This show is very good about that sort of retroactive. Like, wow, actually, that was really smartly done, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So because because we noted in our first episode that the the credits, so well, I guess this would have been in the second uh, episode because that's when we would have noticed it. The credits change in who they feature when they're featuring voice actors, oh, I guess characters is is how they do it. And this one just because we're tracking it features Gwen, MJ and Flash. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Which makes sense, I would say.
1: I think so, too. I think it still goes with my idea that, like, it's not so much the characters that are, like, important, but all of them have – if they don't interact with Peter in a meaningful way, they at least have, like, an important moment for themselves, mostly with Flash. Because Flash doesn't really have a t- – like, his interactions with Peter are pretty minor. Not insignificant, but still minor. But just, like, where he's at with his life right now I think is, like, obviously very meaningful for him. So yeah. we'll we'll get a little bit to that uh, once we – Yet to those guises, but back to these guises at the <laughs> prison where a number of the former Sinister Six are being kept. And a, a couple of the guards prompt Adrian, Toomes, and Quentin Beck to gather for breakfast only to discover that, oh, no, Adrian is a hologram to which the uh, the, the security guard is like, oh, man, not again. <laughs> this, holograms are just a regular occurrence in, uh, in the Marvel Universe's prisons. Of course. Prisons. And Quittenbeck is another android, so, you know, <laughs> what what she expect with Mysterio, Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> This is probably when they found out he was an android in the first place. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Probably an android that whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, so,
1: I mean, and this has been, like, a, a few weeks at least since, maybe even a month since the first episode, though. So this robot android has just had to, like, live life as a person. For...
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's convincing. <laughs> What's cool about this is that as the guard is discovering that Adrian Tombs and Quentin Beck aren't actually there, you end up hearing another guard shout from a, you know, close by, but a different part of the prison that Sandman and Rhino have escaped. And that's kind of how you learn that all of these these villains are escaping, which leads into the next scene, which is a different set of villains, but in a different location. Um, And how how that all shakes out. So we go from the prison to uh, like a hospital, like a mental health hospital, or at least a mental health ward in a hospital where we see Otto Octavius and Max Dillon, you know, that classic pair, Um, but Mm -hmm. in this show, actually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they're sitting in like a group therapy session with a very festive Cletus Cassidy. fun little detail to throw in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love his design because like he's drawn like, like his face is clearly met like he's a villain and he's got like yeah. bags under his eyes and like he's got a super pointy face but then he's got the santa hat on yep. and it's just like okay I love you're it. an adorable serial killer so that's nice yep <laughs> yep yep, yep.
0: <laughs> wild that that's where he is but okay <laughs> <laughs> so in this group therapy session the doctor asks max to share and specifically asks him Hey, Max, it's your turn to share. And Electro ends up rejecting that name and says, I'm Electro now. Don't call me Max. And then turns to Otto and calls him Dr. Octopus, to which Otto has the opposite reaction, which is don't call me Doc Ock. Don't call me Dr. Octopus. I'm Otto. And I've, I've done a lot of work, basically, because I, I regret what I've done and I don't like what I did. And so I don't want to be Dr. Octopus anymore. While they're having this conversation and it's adorable, I must add, because we're in auto mode. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like, oh, you're gonna be excited for this. One I am
1: excited.
0: <laughs> I am excited. I am excited. Because where we left him, I mean, like, that's the thing with with this particular auto and Doc Ock. They're both I mean, they're they're like literally different character models. Like I know I know that they're very similar, but they're not the same. I, I actually think that when Otto is in Doc Ock mode. And this is something I sent you a a, a screen grab of Otto Octavius specifically not as Doc Ock in this scene standing next to the doctor that they're talking to. And he's Mm -hmm. tiny. He is a very Mm -hmm. tiny man in this. But like in previous episodes where he's Dr. Octopus, he's much more imposing. And it's not just because he has the tentacles, but I think they literally draw him Sort of bigger, and I don't know if it has to do with his outfit or if it's just meant to be more imposing. Um, but they really, really scale him down, if only through his like posturing and stuff when he's yeah. Otto. So it's 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 like you're looking at two different characters. So I I, yeah. I, I kind of get excited when we get to see Otto because he's so adorable when he's just Otto. What
1: did you think when you know we cut because this is just kind of out of nowhere? Like, oh, he's Otto now. Okay, huh?
0: Like, yeah, I was surprised okay. to see Otto uh, because I. I I I wasn't necessarily expecting it in either direction. I was surprised it was Otto, but I I wasn't I wasn't like confused necessarily because I do think they have presented Otto like the Otto and Dr. Octopus dynamic in a way that that this feels genuine and real. Right.
1: Cool. <laughs> no, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Right.
0: So as they're having this conversation where Otto is basically saying, like, don't call me Doc Ock. Like, that's not who I am. Craven freaking bursts through the wall, attacks the staff, and says, All right, let's go. Let's go, boys. And Electro is like, Hell yeah. But Otto is like, No. Like, I was, I just said I'm not doing this anymore. And the doctor that he's talking with is like, That's, that's good. You've done a lot of work. Like, awesome. And, and Electro and Craven leave without Otto. Yep. You know, Doctor Kafka's is—I don't think she's a very good doctor. She's not. I don't think she's supposed to be one. I, I don't think—I don't think they try to make her one. That's true. Yeah,
1: I mean, because it's like she released Max last season and was just like, "You're fine, bye." Like, yeah. no, clearly not. Mm-hmm. And now she's—it's just like, obviously, has made no impact on Max whatsoever.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, not whatsoever. At all. <laughs> nope. Nope she's not good
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yep 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 oh well yeah so uh sometime later we cut to peter and the whole midtown teen soap opera gang skating at the rockefeller ice rink everybody from school is there it's literally like the entire cast yeah uh, which is kind of fun because it's like was this a coincidence or did like was this everybody like invited like who invited whom yeah like I literally know, the
0: only person not there is sally
1: no you see her she's uh, skating she? with randy she's skating with randy oh, right okay. up front but she doesn't have any sorry i
0: didn't hear her shrieking in my ear so <laughs> yeah didn't notice
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah either way they're all there there's a little bit where like peter kind of accidentally is showing off his agility because like like uh kong or kenny is kind of like skating in, into him and he like does a whole back flip to get over him and Glory's like wow Peter that's so cool and I'm just like Glory reel in your fucking boyfriend he's a being a monster right now So Peter has to kind of recover, like, not to look too cool by, like, making himself, like, trip and be all clumsy, to which Kenny, like, laughs at him like a little baby. And Glory's like, this is fine. He's my boyfriend for some reason. I don't fucking understand it. It makes me so mad. (laughs) Glory, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. We've we've, we've been over that over and over. We've
0: established it's that dick. Yeah. Clearly there's something else going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hadn't been brought up this season yet. So I wanted to reiterate that Kenny <laughs> Kenny is still trash. Yeah. <laughs> and Glory still, I don't, I still, you just need to get over the dick, girl. Yep. It's not It's not good enough. But, you know, Gwen is in the back looking sad and lonely from the sidelines. Because for some reason, Peter still has not talked to her. <laughs> yep, yep. Not great. Not, not great. Good. Even worse is uh, she looks even sadder when she sees Liz show up and start to hang out with peter he's so oblivious it's wild yep yep yep
0: Uh, but yeah so they're they're obviously they're obviously meant to hang out here they they set it up but they don't really get to hanging out very much at all because flash shows up and this distracts liz from peter which isn't really a surprise because we saw that liz still very much cares about flash and this sort of sort of clarifies some suspicions folks might've had myself included at how she was treating the flash getting injured situation, because watching that, like she still wants Peter there and she's still calling and talking and confiding in Peter. But ultimately like her attention very much seemed to flash. And so it was like, okay, like, is this just because this is an ex that she cares about? Or is this like more than that? This starts to sort of clarify some of that um because flash shows up she is really occupied with flash peter skates over and is like all right liz like i'm i'm ready to i think he says get a lesson or whatever and mm-hmm. she kind of like snaps at him and says like can't you see i'm i'm busy right now because she's talking with flash uh which you know <laughs> if it wasn't obvious that like liz might not be all in on peter uh it is now
1: yeah yeah, I you know, and I think I, I like I think this is really realistic because uh, you know it's 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 not great, but like I think it makes sense for people to sort of because it it is she did break up with Flash very recently, so like it, it makes yeah. sense that there's going to be some residual feelings. Like even though she broke up with him, she, uh, she clearly still cares a lot about him, and moving on is not always easy to do. So, and I think that's sort of the little journey that that she still has to go on is to figure out her feelings, which I love that they're doing with like a supporting character like Liz Allen. So mm-hmm. it's very smart. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we cut away from this and we end up in the Tinkerer's lab. Uh, the Tinker. this is, this is like the one mistake I think that the show's like ever made, unless hmm. we've talked about other mistakes they've made, but the Tinker introduces Craven and Electro to Rhino, Vulture, Sandman, and Mysterio. Which is a mix up of Electro and Mysterio because Electro knows the other three already and Mysterio does not. He should be introducing Craven and Mysterio to the others. Or at the very least, only introducing Craven to everybody.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't really catch that because yeah. I was thinking, I guess I was thinking that. But I don't remember the actual dialogue. So it sounds like you were definitely paying more attention than I was. I so. <laughs> went back and
0: checked because because there's no reason for him to introduce Electro to anybody. And I even went back and was like, am I completely, like, making up the fact that Electro was present for all of that stuff last season? So I even, like, <laughs> doubted myself and then went back and was like, nope, he 100% was there. Like, he knows these three. And I suppose there's potential i don't I didn't look this part up there's potential for them to know Quentin, but they wouldn't necessarily know him as Mysterio, I guess outside of prison so like it's it's all it's all very weird because there there is there's a way all of these people would know each other with the exception of Craven knowing anybody and Electro and Mysterio might not know each other because they weren't being held in the same place, yeah. So it could just be like yeah. a weirdly written piece of dialogue, but it comes across as though Tinkerer is introducing Craven and Electro to the other four, which doesn't actually make any sense. <laughs> huh. And that's fine. Very weird. They can make yeah. a mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, well, I think I think what you, what you said that I think it's just a weirdly written line because I, I think that there's plays to, ways to rationalize it. But yeah, the way that it's written makes it sound kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, either way, all all of them are together now. I guess that's what really that's what really matters. Sandman has a has a fun little bit where like, you know, Craven's where like he he like turns his nose up to Craven and then Craven's like what? Uh and Sandman's like I've had bad experiences with cats. <laughs> Do you love that? <laughs> it's so it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there and there's also like the master planner pops up. He expresses some disappointment that Doc Ock refused to join them in creating like the Sinister Seven. So you know he can't be the Sinister Seven this time. He wanted to inaugurate the age of the super criminal. I'm like okay, cool, dude. But <laughs> either way, it's it's gonna be it's still gonna be six now. They do point out a couple of 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 things just to like hammer in the details like for example like why isn't tinkerer part of the sinister seven i and love it's this like well yeah um i do too it's i mean because it's a fun explanation and like the, it's rhino who's asking about it and the way that he's like kind of like peering and leering over Tinker, like almost like he's like sniffing him like an animal is so funny like the <laughs> way that they draw him And then it's just, like, no, because he's, like, your tech support guy. Like, just because he's a supervillain doesn't mean he can, like, fight. So, no, he's not part of the actual Sinister Six, like, armed force that's going out.
0: But the way that they write it, it's literally Mysterio being, like, he sucks in a fight, trust me. And, like, he would know. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he would know. (laughs) So, I love that.
1: Yeah, I love playing up the uh, the characters' like connections that they mm-hmm. have with each other and everything. It's so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you know, the uh, Sandman also brings up like, okay, we're another Sinister Six with like two different members. What what what's different? How can we succeed where well, the old Six very very clearly did not? Um, and the Master Planner, of course, says he has a plan.
0: Yes. Yes. So after that little uh, little lair detour, we cut back to the Rockefeller Center where they're ice skating. And Peter approaches Gwen while Liz spends time with Flash. And it doesn't go well. None of us should have expected it to go well. Uh, <laughs> Gwen's been watching the whole situation. She's been there the whole time. It's not especially crowded. So he tries to talk to her and, and Gwen gives Peter the look, return of the look. And he's like, whoa, what did I do to deserve this? And she says outright in the most direct communication these two have had with each other in a while that she gets that she is not his first choice but she sure as heck won't be his second choice and then she skates off so good uh, for her Love
1: this finally standing up for yourself girl. yes like finally We're just
0: communicating and she even says like you haven't talked to me in days so i i i i like that because they they have been so terrible at talking to one another finally one of them does it
1: yeah Yeah, and it's still, Peter's still so oblivious about it, which is called out like a very, like right after this, but it's just. It's so quintessentially them, but yeah, man, I love it. I love Gwen. I, I love that, like, because it, it would be so, 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 so easy to just write her as, like, the meek girl who's just pining for his attention, and then any attention that he gives her, she's happy about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that that's not an uncommon trope that you see with an archetype like, like which you could have Gwen be, like the kind of, like, nerdy meek girl. Yeah. But I love that they don't do it. Like, she's... She's clearly a smart, like, brave human yeah. being. Like, she's shown that over and over again. Um, right. So, yeah, it makes sense that it's just like, dude, no, I'm not I, – I don't I like – I like you, but I don't like you when you're like this. So yeah. we're not doing this. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And like you said, it gets called out really quickly. The show lets us know how we're supposed to feel about it for sure. There's never there's never really any confusion. Like, obviously, we're meant to root for Peter, but we're not necessarily meant to approve of everything he does. And, and – Yeah. The show does a good job of, of making sure we know, like, he is learning, right? Like, it's not that he sucks, even though you and I say he sucks all the time. Um, so <laughs> MJ, MJ swoops in. She skates in. And she tries to tell Peter that his problem is that he's easily distracted, which is illustrated amazingly in this scene. Because what so she good. does is she goes, listen, Peter... You're one of my favorite, I think she even calls him Tiger. You're one of my favorite guys. And in that moment it like zooms in on his face and you get an inner monologue moment where Peter's like, "Wow, MJ's gorgeous." And then she snaps in his face and is like, "Your problem is you get too distracted. Focus." Oh man. Focus. And it's really well done and it I think this makes it so abundantly clear that like we're we are we're not meant to dislike Peter, but we are meant to see exactly what his flaw and his problem is because exactly. he has a character calling it out right in front of his face, and he's doing it right there while she's trying to illustrate this. It's really good, and, and this first arc, this engineering arc, does a really good job of carrying this theme throughout, I would say, most of these episodes, this idea of distraction and focus, which we saw – introduced in the Mysterio episode so I like that it is it is being carried through into this episode and I think only continues to get stronger as this little arc is being told
1: I feel dumb because I didn't even make that connection that it was connected oh the Mysterio misdirection stuff like that's the same thing it's just like different wording for still saying the same idea like it's like that episode was sort of about like you're paying attention to one thing, but you should be paying attention to another thing. Like saying this, that like you can't be distracted by one thing. Yeah. Focus on another thing. It's saying the exact same thing, just in different words. Didn't even click with me. That's brilliant. Wait, so so this is
0: why I said like this. This episode, though it it reintroduces a sinister six, and I'm not entirely sure why that was their route. Um, although I I have plenty of ideas why. I I think that. That is what about this episode really works super well for me because when we get to the action, we said that this is a super action packed episode. All of the action, I would argue, is in the context of that theme. So, everything about this episode, I think, is reinforcing that theme while setting up episode four. Yeah. Everything about this episode is about distraction and focus and misdirection. That's so true. That's so. Flash is doing it. Flash is doing it with Liz.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know we didn't. We didn't really talk a lot. Not that there's a ton to talk about, but I do think it's. I do think like it's important to kind of track like what's going on with Flash specifically. Sure. Like the fact that he is dealing with being on crutches because of his leg injury, and something that I really and and he's has he's mad about it and you know he's like like there's a bit where he's like trying to get on the ice even though he's in crutches like oh my god dude what are you doing but like I get it because he's just like trying to be a man and still you know still live his life in spite of his Mm -hmm. uh, spite of like what's going on with him so but but I really like when he's having the conversation with Liz and she's trying to be so upbeat and positive like oh your leg will heal up all the you know you're gonna get a bunch of college scholarships for football after it's all healed it's all gonna be great and he like does try to, like, be like, that's not actually what's happening, but then kind of gets cut off. And, and it's still the idea that, like... I, I guess part of that kind of plays into the idea that, like, Liz is interested in him and kind of getting or interested in him as a person like as 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 a person that she has this connection with but isn't really actually focusing on like what he's actually going through necessarily like i don't know do you agree like is that or am i kind of reaching a little bit
0: i hadn't thought about that because i don't know that i picked up necessarily on that i i meant more that when flash is having that conversation with liz and liz tells off Peter, it, it becomes clear based on Flash's reaction that Flash knows he is drawing Liz back towards him and away from Peter Parker. Yeah. He, he, there's like a smirk that he gives to basically to us and no one else to indicate like this is working and, and she cares more about me than she does about the dweeb, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to Flash. Like, he's going through some shit. Yeah. And even though, you know, he, his intentions aren't great a lot of the times, like, I get it. He doesn't, he doesn't like Peter. Like, like that's, yeah. that's established. So, it all makes sense. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. Yes, lots of layers in this one. I'm excited about it. Even though it's not really, like, a, a super, super dense episode, like, there's a lot of layers to it, which is cool, so... Yeah. Uh, after this interaction where mj is like yo focus peter still like doesn't totally get it because uh he's like oh well maybe you know maybe you could help a distracted boy out or something like really stupid <sighs> and, and mj's like okay whatever but we're gonna do this with coco like she, she <laughs> basically makes him go get her a drink uh which i'm fine with so peter yeah. peter skates off to get coco for him and mary jane and this is where the action really starts and doesn't end until the end of the episode so vulture and electro they approach and they attack the rink um, and they do this based on craven's assurance that spider-man is nearby based on scent right so he doesn't he hasn't seen spider-man none of them have they just know based on craven's skills that spider-man is is somewhere so their plan is to just be there and and cause problems and spider-man will show up Sure enough, this is going to work because it always does. And so once they appear, Peter suits up. The three of them clash. And this kicks off an extensive sequence of battles, each of which is a pair of the new Sinister Six. And at first, when I finished the episode, the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, that episode was literally just, like, a bit of drama and setup and then action. And, like, that's all it was. And then when I – when I watched it a second time sort of with the themes in mind that's when i was like oh shit like this isn't just action each one of these things like it's cool to watch and you might never notice that that's what's going on but when you when you're doing what we do each one of these things supports this theme it doesn't necessarily deepen it or layer on more but all of these battles are in line with the current arcs idea of distraction focus and misdirection and i think that's really really skillfully done and Absolutely. simply can't be an accident
1: <laughs> oh of course yeah you know? i mean nothing nothing is ever an accident on the show i know so. it's incredible it's like i never whenever whenever i'm like do feel like i'm like reaching sometimes for like the connecting themes to things it's like i i don't really feel weird about it because it's like it's it's there's a very high likelihood that that was intentional because they're very deep thinkers about this show and well, they're
0: writing it. And you don't, I don't think you even need to know that necessarily. Like if I didn't know anything about the background of the show and I were just watching it, right? If I knew nothing about any of the creators or their previous work or their tendencies or patterns or what they care about, I think you would still get to a point if you were doing what we we're doing, if you're analyzing it or being specifically critical – uh, from a storytelling perspective you'd pick up on these things and say it it can't be an accident like it's too yeah. it's there's t- the theme is too strong and and these action sequences which could simply just be cool all accidentally have to do with misdirection which we just talked about there's no chance, you know? Right. So even even if we never had an interview that, that said – and we've never talked about an interview that says this. But even if the creators never said like, oh, yeah, it was really cool. We planned out those 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 fights. And in, in the writer's room, we sort of said like, okay, so how would this one be solved with that misdirect thing in mind? I think you could still confidently walk away and say that that probably happened.
1: Yep. I fully agree. Um, I do think there's one important – we got distracted by all the good stuff in this episode to to miss that war's one important thing that happens is that Peter Burns is done and can't talk through like a whole section of these fight sequences. Is it important?
0: <laughs> Did I no. accidentally leave it out? Was it a mistake?
1: I was going to ask what you thought of that. <laughs> it's silly. Think, it's
0: silly. I think we're learning something <laughs> about me. I, I don't think this adds to anything and I don't think, I don't. I personally don't think the joke paid off, but that could just be my particular. Uh, we're learning that maybe I am just irrationally irritated by uh, by I don't know what to call these, but I, I didn't like the stuffy nose thing, and I didn't particularly mm-hmm. enjoy this. I was like, this is not adding anything in my opinion. Like, it's not creating a problem for him that matters, and it's not. It's not like it. Like it. It results in some funny moments. Like I'm not going to say that it doesn't. But for a show that's so intentional to the point where like even the jokes are frequently sort of tied in in some way or like are consequential, which is a weird thing to say about jokes. um, This one just sort of like happens and then stops happening. And it just is like, I guess they probably just thought it was funny, which is fine. Like you can do that. I'm not saying don't, but it did nothing for me. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't bother. I, I thought it was fine, but I think that there is, I, but I, I, but it's also like, I don't feel strongly about it either way. Like, I think that, I think it's the type of thing where and it's not something that just this show does. It's like, um, it's like a particular brand of comic relief where there is just no punchline. Like, yeah. like there's, co- like, I think that's, that's the issue is that like, like you said, it doesn't lead to anything. Like if there was kind of an end point of the joke where like. A villain not understanding what he was saying actually like somehow resulted in their downfall. Like I think it would be really funny. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. Yeah, they just like, there's a couple jokes like "What did you say?" Yeah, and then he's then his tongue heals yeah. even comments on it like wow i've my tongue is healed it's a christmas miracle like just because you know i guess josh keaton can only do that <laughs> accent for like but so long yeah. and also we do need to understand what he says without subtitles it's very well and like
0: i said i have not been able to turn the subtitles on for some reason on mine so i had mm. no, I, I literally had no idea what he was saying which i'm sure colors how annoyed i was by it um yeah like i i as a joke it's fun, but when for like three minutes I can't understand anything he's saying, it's it stops being fun. Yeah, and you shouldn't <laughs> require your subtitles yeah. for, for your main character. So
1: yeah, yeah. That's oh that's so annoying though. That makes yeah, that makes it so much worse. I <laughs> didn't even have any
0: option. Well, and I will say, like the the when it when it happened and the first time Vulture like the fir- probably the first couple times, because it all happens like pretty quickly, that Spider-Man is like trying to quip. And can't do it because they're like, what are you talking about? That was funny. And then he says, like, I guess I should stop talking or something to that effect. But then he doesn't. And it's like, no, you, like, you accomplished the joke. The joke is done. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, for me, is what made it not not work very well. No, you're
1: right. At that point, it should have just been all his interior monologue. Yeah.
0: Which they do. They do some of that. I thought that's what they were yeah. going to stick with. But, um, you know, whatever. I mean... It's fine. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't bring the episode down. So, no, not at all. Not at all. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, obviously that's happening, but there's also lots of lots of really great cool actions happening. Yes.
0: Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons: Gemma Nicole, Katie, Joe, Greg, Mike, Flux, and Eric
1: if you would like to join our patreon we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you we have our spider bites where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the spider-man universe such as comics like the current miles morales series and classics
0: like craven's last hunt sometimes we do deep dives into spider-man stuff like our mini-series on the unmade spider-man movies or we spin off into other topics like the blade movies or the firestar comics Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or How We Make Certain Episodes.
1: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more
0: ultimately these are the types of things that we're gonna talk about anyway so recording it and making it available on patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do whatever tier you opt into thank you so much whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by we appreciate that too from your friendly neighborhood podcasters thank you Okay, so uh, a little,
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of bullets with with action happening. So the first fight is Spidey versus Vulture and Electro. That's the first team that he's fighting against. yes, so he's he he does smartly like right off the bat is like, I need to get these guys away from the rink where there are people but uh, but I think you know, they know that that's going to cause a distraction.
0: They are focused. Uh-huh. Wow. Hmm.
1: So they're 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 trying their damnedest to, you know, be, stay around people. Um, so Spidey does like shoot a bunch of hard web globs at Vulture and he notices that, like Vulture is being really protective of his headset. Um, so he figures like, OK, that's something to keep in mind. But instead of directly attacking the, this weakness, he exploits it by distracting Vulture, which, you know, means that he's not going to be as focused with the headset and creating openings until he can web Vulture up. And actually, I was kind of surprised by how like quickly he ends up catching Vulture. Yeah. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fights to be had after this, so it makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do think it's creative, though, the idea that instead of just having him web the, the headset off, he basically pretends he's attacking the headset so that Vulture will use his wings to protect himself. And that exposes the Vulture's wings in a way that allows Spider-Man to web those up instead. I thought it was really clever. When I first watched it, I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. Um, and then when I thought more about it, I was like, oh, shit. Okay, I get it. I get it. Because the obvious answer would have been for him to try to take the helmet off.
1: Right. But then but then here, he he kind of accomplishes like two things. Because if yep. he had just taken it off... Like there's nothing to say that that's immediately gonna make Vulture just like crash and and stop. Right. Like that that might be a thing that like weakens him, but that he still has to fight him off. This way, it's sort of like kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> uh-huh. He's a bird. So no, it's smart and and again plays into the whole distraction slash focus thing. Yep. So, yep, very smart, very smartly written. I love I love when they can integrate the themes even into like. The action sequences, even when no one's really calling it out. Oh, it's so yeah. good. It's good. So good.
0: It's good. Yeah. Peter just figures these things out. He doesn't say, I'm going to distract him. Um, he just does the things, you know, and it's, it's, on, it's on us if we want to, to realize that, that it all fits into the theme. Yeah. Electro, honestly, is like the poster child and mascot of this theme for this arc. Because this, <laughs> yep. this fool cannot stay focused to save his life. So, basically, after, after Spider-Man webs up Vulture to the tree in Rockefeller Center, Electro's like, that makes me mad because Spider-Man's winning. And so, he tries to shoot his electricity at Spider-Man, who is on the top of the tree. And Vulture even says, like, no, 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 don't do that. Um, but this doesn't work. Electro shoots the tree anyway, which electrocutes Vulture, knocks over the mm-hmm. whole damn tree, and nearly crushes Liz, Flash, and MJ. Um, Flash manages to save Liz, but then ends up in the path of the tree. And Spider Man ends up saving Flash, which of course results in Flash like hard eyeing over Spider Man, which I'm yeah. always here for, even oh, if he's absolutely. a total jerk in these in these episodes.
1: Oh, absolutely! But you know, he's you know he we know he's got a heart of gold yeah. buried in there somewhere. He just somewhere. he just has to he just doesn't know he, it I, yet. He would. He will make a good, he will make a very good adult when he grows up and grows
0: out of this stuff. I sure hope so. <laughs>
1: there's, I, I have a few things about all of this. First of all, there's like, there's a really interesting bit where like, when Electro is just doing his rampant electrocution of like, literally everything constantly all the time. Electro? No way. I know, weird, right? He hits like, uh like all the the, the midtowners, all the teens. Yeah. And they, and they, and, and there's like. A thing that, like, I both love but also am kind of annoyed by because they they make it a point to, like, show everyone getting electrocuted, but then Flash isn't, and he notices that he isn't because of his crutch. He's grounded, essentially, I think, because there's, like, rubber on the bottom of it. So it makes sense. And I like that that, that's a a really smart detail because it makes sense. But it does feel like it's, like, setting up something because, like, he notices it. But then, like, nothing ever happens. Like, that would have been, like – I I was expecting him to, like – do Help.
0: something that no one else could do.
1: Right, because everyone else was electrocuted so he could do something and contribute. But So it ends up feeling kind of like a wasted detail because, like again, I like that it's a realistic thing to happen, but it feels very intentionally like shown that he notices it and then nothing happens with
0: it. The only thing I could think, and I don't know if this is it, this is just me trying to f- to figure out where it might fit, is he is the only one... I think shown saving anybody else once the tree oh. is falling. So we could maybe assume that everybody else is like kind of stunned and he's not. That's
1: I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Even if it didn't, it clear, I don't think
0: it was executed.
1: Well, like I don't we think did, so either. That but, but if that was the idea, I like that idea a lot and yeah. I'm okay with accepting that that was the intention. Because the other thing that I found really interesting about this whole sequence is like after the, the tree falls, which God awful CGI on that tree. Oh my god! It's like the gosh. worst thing I've
0: it's really ever bad. seen on the show. It's really, really bad. It's, it's, it's bad. Horrendous. It's horrendous. And it and happens it's like, twice. It shouldn't yeah. have happened at all. It should certainly not have happened twice.
1: And it's like, it's the, it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of like bad CGI from, on like the nineties show. Early days, ninety five, it's fine. Like in two thousand eight, you more or less had that shit locked down, and if you couldn't pull it off, then like there's you could there are other ways, yeah. other things that you could do with it. It's like weird for this show because it's so top notch and everything else.
0: We were in the era and I I understand Pixar is like the premier computer animation studio, but Pixar was in like the era of every movie makes you cry. Like Up Wally and Toy Story Three were happening around the time that this show was happening, so cut it out with that terrible ass CGI. Get that shit out of here.
1: Yeah. And for for a shot that's like kind of unnecessary and again could have been done in animation, because their animation is so good. Yeah. Animation and the animation's really good in this episode. Like this is a really well done, like well done a- episode, like even by this show's standards, I feel like.
0: Well that's what makes the CGI so bad, is that this this show is it, it has a style that specifically allows them to do really smooth, really quick animation and and they didn't replicate that style in the cgi so it was just like super obvious and bad and dumb and i hated it i was
1: so mad about it because th- before going on that rant <laughs> the thing that i was going to bring up is that i think the idea that like the kids were kind of stunned by being electrocuted makes sense makes extra sense because mj's like um like MJ, like the way that MJ oh, yeah. is is postured after the tree falls down she's like literally like almost in a fetal position like shaking mm-hmm. and like her eyes are like wide and her pupils are like really tiny yeah. like cool calm calculated MJ is like that yeah which i think was important for her to be that character because it's like to see her, that freaked out, like clearly, those kids went through a traumatic a f event, yeah, and I think that and I think that I mean having the giant tree almost fall on you is enough, uh but i think I think it makes even more sense if you consider that they were literally just electrocuted, and if she's was so stunned that they could barely like move, You're just that watching makes a lot what sense, yeah. Yeah, yep. I think it all that actually all kind of like plays into each other
0: really well. Yeah,
1: or maybe she was just reacting to how bad the CGI was. Maybe That's too
0: possible too. When did that tree become CGI? I can't handle it. <laughs> My reality uh. is, is, is shattering. <laughs> Where's frump. <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so after after the kids are safe, the the fight with Electro continues. But it, it takes them away from the, the rink, and they actually end up at this lot full of rubber tires, which I guess is just a, a store called Tire Barn. I don't know. There are a lot of rubber <laughs> tires sure. around, which is what's important. Spider-Man ends up using the tires as projectiles, which seemingly doesn't work because Electro is able to just melt them. But what it turns out to be is that Spider-Man was seemingly using them as projectiles, knowing that Electro is melting them, creating a puddle of rubber on the ground that Electro gets stuck in, and then this results in, like, an immobile Electro that Spider-Man uses as, like, a ring toss. (laughs) (laughs) And then, angrily, Electro ends up melting all of the tires that have been ring-tossed onto him into this, like, melty rubber coat, which then... Means he can't do anything like he's just a little rubber volcano with an electric top
1: (laughs) all because he was distracted and didn't notice that Spidey was actually making him melt the tires on purpose. Yes,
0: yes. He didn't recognize like this big pool of melted rubber that he was creating right underneath him.
1: Checks out for Electro. He's a very yeah.
0: he he's like too focused, but
1: on all the wrong things at all yeah. times. Like narrowly focused. That's, I mean, that is
0: that is that is kind of what what Peter's going through too, right? Like he hyper focuses on one thing and then is paying no attention to the other things that are like right in front of his face. And then yeah. when, when the thing he's hyper-focused on goes away, then he, like, immediately hyper-focuses on something else. So
1: Yeah, it's like by being focused, yeah. you
0: are being distracted, yeah. essentially. Yep. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so cool. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. <laughs> and this will come up a little bit next week, probably more so. But it's interesting to me that Electro is, like, the rage monster in this in this series. It makes sense. Nothing about it is it like feels wrong or out of place. It's just interesting to me that he is just, like, the constantly angry one. I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, well, it's cool because he's such a more... His power set is so much more chaotic. Yeah. I feel like it's, like, scarier for someone like him to be, like, a rage monster Mm -hmm. shooting electricity everywhere rather than your standard, like... I am the rhino and I'm angry. Right. Like like, okay, so you're gonna punch me, which you would have done anyway. Exactly. Like like it's yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a smart choice. And I mean it definitely like even if we didn't see his his origin story like even if the backstory that he had, which was really well done, wasn't yeah. there, this version of Electro just like what he is now is already a lot more interesting than like your typical Electro just because of
0: those rage issues that he has. Yeah, yeah. And it's even better because we do get the backstory because we know why he's so angry. <laughs> it's great. Uh-huh. Although you mentioned Rhino, which uh, is perfect because that's who we battle next. So <laughs> Spider-Man ends up, um, you know, he he ends up immobilizing Electro. And once, once that, you know, happens and he's like, ah, good, I have succeeded. Uh, Sandman just like immediately appears and just like punches him, which is... <laughs> funny
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and then rhino you know shows up too so he's battling like the two tanks now they they pretty much just like initially i think purely because they have the element of surprise just kind of like beat the shit out of spider-man for a hot second and they like crush some cars and they destroy a bunch of property in the process it's very similar to the like like craven once craven is done like destroying a museum like i wonder do you think they ever like repaired any of that stuff like the is the megalodon still just like <laughs> Dead on the ground in the museum.
1: Some megalodon, more like megalodult. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that New York's just in shambles at the end of every single episode, and everybody's just given up. And <laughs>
0: and that's how we end up in Spider-Man Unlimited, where everything is falling apart constantly.
1: Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Rhino.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean they they this this part of their battle isn't isn't really all that significant. It's just. I'm fighting big punchy guys now, but they end up at this small Marina and that's where this sort of starts getting a little bit more uh, interesting to me at least. And there ends up being a bit more strategy. It's where Spider-Man is able to sort of like get his bearings and sort of uh, figure out what is going to make sense, which will then fit into the theme of the misdirection and stuff. Yep, yep, yep. Not as well as the other two sets of battles, but it still, still is the case
1: yeah i mean there's yeah there's it's It's still it's still there it's still there for sure but these two Uh, are the smartest
0: cookies so he doesn't have to try as hard i suppose
1: (laughs) i think so because this is these are the most like comical fights i think out of all of them the episode just based just because of them yeah i mean they still beat the living
0: shit out of him Mm -hmm. and somehow he's
1: like fine
0: but (laughs) they like (laughs) um... throw him out of a building they smash him through (laughs) a bus once they get to the dock rhino literally just like slams him on the ground and he goes through the dock like he just it's it is it's wild this version of spider-man like really only makes sense if
1: he Arguably, all Spider-Man have this, but him to the nth extent just is just super durable. Yeah. It's just a really high constitution. Like, he should be a bloody pulp. Oh, for sure. (laughs) All
0: the time. It also, honestly, like, I, I feel like, and this is outside the universe and the storytelling inside the universe, but I do think that some of this really brutal stuff that they do works because the animation style is that sort of that yeah. that simple stretch style that they use because you can slam them on the ground and you can recognize that it's brutal, but it doesn't feel as bad. I think <laughs> as it might in like other styles.
1: That's a really good point. Actually. I know. I fully agree with that. Yeah. Because it's, it's all ultimately really cartoony no matter, no, you know, no matter how, how fluid the animation yeah. is and everything. Yeah. So you're right. It is like, cause, cause that is the thing that I've noticed rewatching this is that it's like,
0: he gets he... the shit kicked out of him constantly.
1: Constantly. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that like, and it's because, and, and but yeah, and you don't, you just, you don't really notice it unless you're really yeah. like thinking about it. And it's just like, oh my God, like <laughs> this poor child.
0: Because <laughs> that would happen. I mean, like Venom would beat the shit out of him. Doc Ock would beat the shit out of him. Like these two would beat the shit out. Of, like there are a number of villains that just absolutely like manhandled Spider-Man.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Which makes it extra funny cuz like the way that like the way that like Josh Keaton delivers it and the way that Peter's written it's just like oh wow that hurt yeah. anyway uh, like- gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it allows them to do like very actiony things without halting what's going on. Cause you don't ever yeah. have to sit there and say like, Oh gosh, is he okay? <laughs> right.
1: This show does not do all the death fake outs that no. uh, the 90s show did.
0: No, no he's just not going to die. Okay. <laughs>
1: right. He's literally, in, he's, he's invulnerable and immortal. That's, that's just, that's Peter Parker in this show.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah so you know all this all this 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 he's he's continuing to get the shit beat out of him as we firmly established <laughs> um and that's when when Sandman's like hmm what if we unmask him and Spidey's like, okay, finally, I'm not, I'm not getting brutalized. So let me take the advantage of this moment. Um, and he gets those over to a fire hydrant, like rips off the top and douses Sandman in water. Uh, which, you know, as, as you know from every version of Sandman, water is kind of his kryptonite yeah. in a lot of ways. So that immediately incapacitates him, um, at least temporarily. So that allows him to engage with Rhino, whom he distracts ooh, with a blow to the face with a scuba tank. So that is subtle of a distraction but still a distraction nevertheless arguably
0: well because I would argue that spider-man knows this is not going to do anything to Rhino yeah yeah definitely <laughs> definitely
1: because because Rhino is just like oh that's not you're trying to like hit me like what when is hitting me ever worse yeah. but because of that he doesn't notice that spider-man's kind of like through this fight is like leading him onto the ice like on like the river so you know <laughs> Rhino's a heavy guy. <laughs> yep. Uh he's he's a big boy. So because of that, you know, Rhino falls in and it's actually it's 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 like the most comical part of this episode I think cuz the most cartoony yeah. of this episode cuz like they're fighting, Rhino notices the cracks and then Spidey like throws him the scuba tank and is like you're gonna need this, and he, and there's just like a pause before he falls in completely, which is like I hate. You I was just gonna say he so specifically
0: much. recognizes what's about to happen and says, "I hate you so much." I love that. I love. It's legit
1: that. like a wily wily coyote like yeah. pausing before he falls off of the cliff moment. It's yeah. so good.
0: <laughs> I also love when the villains like recognize in that type of way. Like, God damn it, I just got got by him again. Like why can't I get him? You know, like it's that moment where it's like, I thought I had you, but damn it. (laughs) Yeah. It's so
1: good. This show writes the Rhino so well, which is like the Rhino's not a deep character or anything, but I think that they, they use him so, so strongly because I I think they really play up the idea. I think the idea that Rhino works best in is that he's a dumb, like funny character that, is that is just that also simultaneously happens to be a really big threat because he's a big guy. But like if he's, he can't really be played for drama just because of the idea that because the the rhino is just such like a ridiculous, like a basic character, you know, but you know, what's Um, cool
0: about this rhino and it's not just this rhino. I think this is, this is something if I'm watching a rhino, I want this to be part of who he is. This rhino, as well as a rhino that we talked about when we talked about the miles Morales comics, When Mm -hmm. Rhino is dumb and is kind of aware and a little bit self-conscious about being dumb, I think that works really well in the Rhino's favor, whether they are being comical or dramatic. Because in this case, it's comical. He recognizes that he got got. And in the comics we talked about, it's a bit more dramatic where he's like self-conscious about his own abilities or, or what he does offer versus what he can't offer. And I think that comes from an awareness of him not being very smart which right. you can you can be conscious of that and and then feel very self-conscious about that and I think this Rhino has a little bit of that in a way that serves these moments really well. Yeah. Cuz he ended yeah. up getting frustrated in his in his own appearance at the fact that he couldn't he couldn't get ahead of Spider-Man cuz Spider-Man was out outsmarting him and that was frustrating and was pissing him off, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, uh, I love it. I love it. Rhino's fun. Yeah. when he's written well. Listen to that, uh, listen to that spider bite on our Patreon, on the Miles Morales comics, yeah. by the way. It's very good. But yeah, anyway, so Rhino's down for the count, uh, Sandman is back and attempts to attack again, but like, it doesn't last very long because, you know, like we said, he got doused in water, so because he has all that water content, like, part of his sand, even though he's, like, reformed from that, he still is, like, full of water that is now freezing because of the winter air, so that means that he's, like, like a lot slower, which just makes him pretty easy to beat yeah. <laughs> by Spider-Man, because he, he covers him in snow, and that just freezes him completely, and that's like, all right, that's it. Yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some fun little complications there because Spidey like is also getting covered in ice beca- because he's been also been fighting like on water and stuff, so he can't use his web shooters because his web shooters are frozen up. But ultimately, they're pretty minor, you know, minor uh, hurdles for him to get over.
0: Yeah: So then we have two le- then there were two. So we move on to the Spidey versus Mysterio and Kraven moment. And this is sort of brought on uh, by not brought on by Spider-Man, but Spider-Man recognizes what we're recognizing, which is, okay. there's probably six of them. I've seen these four before. Clearly, the other two are waiting around somewhere. So he literally calls out for Shocker and Doc Ock. He's like, all right, guys, Shocker, Doc Ock, like, let's do this. Like. I know you're out there somewhere. And he ends up actually hearing Doc out call out for him and is like, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have done that. And I was like, whoa. I was like, what just happened? (laughs) <laughs> that like Doc Ock is now back, but my little heart breaks because it's not actually Doc Ock. It's a a hologram of Doc Ock and Shocker, which is really smart on Mysterio's part um, to basically recognize that he and Craven aren't part of this original team and use that to his advantage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was something that was planned or if he was just quick thinking. In that Spider Man literally called out the two people he was expecting, but I really liked that detail. I thought it was really fun. It was a fun misdirect for me because i was like yeah. wait a second what the f- just happened like yeah <laughs> like, yeah care? especially because you hear doc ock's voice first and i was like wait uh. a second <laughs> but uh yep. this next fight is fun anyway so i was over it very quickly
1: yeah yeah no it's good it's good yeah because because um, when you know he swings through realizes that they're just holograms and immediately gets like backhanded by craven Ugh. <laughs> right into the street, right into the street. Yep. So, <laughs> so Kraven and Mysterio are both there. Mysterio is like riding on a, like a robotic, like a uh, Eastern dragon. And yeah. So <laughs> Spidey um, leashes onto a car and skis along the road.
0: Which Why? is like How? the third time in like a How? month. Like We've talked about wh- Spider-Man like skiing behind his own web.
1: The fact that, Fourth like, time. the other th- three, I think, occurrences were from the 1981 show that we just, just by sheer coincidence, yep. happened to be covering right before we went along this. Why, why is he always skiing? I don't know. Why, what's with, why, is this, like, should we go skiing? Is it, like, a sign? I don't, I don't know what this means. the way he is, because
0: in only one of those four <laughs> circumstances is he skiing with skis. He's usually literally just, like, on the heels of his feet. It's awful.
1: Yep this spidey would never make web skis so like he yeah he's just um will never be able to walk again he will just have bloody stumps yeah it's just the wildest coincidence
0: when that happened i was like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> <laughs> right cuz it felt like such right. a relic of the 80s show too uh, Right. but
1: nope nope right i guess he did i guess he did ski last season but literally on water like on the on the black Cat oh, that's right. episode yeah he did but, like, they made a whole big deal of, out of it. Like, oh, the yeah. symbiote is helping me balance. This time it's like, nope, skiing on the road, my bare my feet. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's all works. fine. It's
0: funny. And it doesn't last very long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It might honestly it's just hard. be it's like fine. an homage because it is such a ridiculous thing that seems to happen so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I do like that he, he explicitly calls out to the fact in in his own inner monologue yeah. that like he didn't defeat the 6 by himself last time like yeah. we talked about that like like a lot in that episode mm-hmm. in, in group therapy about how it was so clever to do their first sinister sticks episode when he has the symbiote because it doesn't really make sense that he'd ever be able to beat all of these supervillains anyway. Yeah. So I love that there's that he's very that he's explicitly calling that out and really the only reason that he does this time is because of the plan to split them all up. If they all attacked him at the same time, they probably could have beaten him. Yep. I think the only and the only reason that there's this plan to split up And try to like wear him down, which does make sense. I think it'll, but, but I think it makes more sense if, if you're operating from the villains point of view where they assume that, that Spider-Man just beat them because he's that good. Right. So like, (laughs) it's almost, it's like completely accidental that, uh, that, (laughs) that he beats them this time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like they, they, they misunderstand why they were beat in the first place. So they adjust having not needed to adjust.
1: Yeah, it's so funny,
0: and it, and it up makes me so blowing up in their face,
1: <laughs> right? And it makes me so curious for like what like a third Sinister Six episode would be, because now they've sort of like played up like yeah. what would the next plan be? You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I can only assume that had there been a season three, there would have been a third Sinister Six, because at this point, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why Seems not have one every pattern. season? I mean, I could, yeah, I could especially... tell you why not, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, right. But yeah, so, you know, he's reflecting on that. And then Craven tackles him through a J. Jonah Jameson billboard, which I just love. I love, I love, I still love the fact that this editor-in-chief just puts his face on everything. everything. Love it. And it's funny too, because we haven't really seen much of any of JJ this season yet. So yeah. it's always nice to see him, even if on a billboard. But yeah, you know, there's there's some fights. Spidey attempts to bruise Kraven's ego, and Kraven rationalizes though. Like he's like he's sort of like, oh, they sent like you're you can't face me alone, like you're fighting with a pack now. Um but Kraven, his rationalization is that the other six, like, they act as a pack to weaken their prey. So the alpha. Craven can 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 take him out. So yeah, I, I I like that they kind of address his uh like where his head is, like why he's a- agreeing to to kind of work with them in the way yeah. that he is.
0: So Mysterio ends up appearing, and like you mentioned, he's using this dragon disguised drone, which we even see like flicker a little bit just to be abundantly clear uh, that it is not in fact a dragon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he he ends up using this dragon drone to to knock Spider-Man through the roof of a department store nearby, uh, which is like the perfect setting for a Christmas time fight, and and they they play that up really well. So they, they end up in this department store. Spider-Man ends up smashing a bottle of perfume on Craven, which is actually really smart because he he Very relies sad. so heavily on his senses, uh, specifically mm-hmm. his sense of smell.
1: Yeah, and the way that that perfume was introduced is hilarious because it's like the store person literally sprays it in, like, some random mom's face, and she's just like, what the hell? Yeah. And it's like, it's this new scent. And she hates it. It's like it, boundaries, yeah. lady. Right. Boundaries. Right, so it's set up that it's not
0: even, like, it, like even before the whole entire thing is smashed on Craven's face, yeah, it's set up that it's, like, not pleasant.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Here's what I love. After, after Spider-Man smashes this bottle of perfume on Craven's face, Craven, of course, is, like, temporarily sort of immobilized trying to figure out like what the hell just happened. This is where Mysterio like reappears into the scene. But what's really great about it is that there's like a very brief moment where the music stops and changes And music from the Nutcracker starts playing, which is, like, the funniest thing to me to, like, introduce Mysterio. Because as we saw, this Mysterio in this universe is, like, not taken seriously by anybody. So the fact that it Mm -hmm. goes from, like, cool action music with Kraven to, like, ballet music with Mysterio is not only appropriate because he's dramatic, but just because it further underlines how ridiculous and corny this Mysterio is meant to be. So good. It cracks me up. So good.
1: It's great. I love it. And because that, and that the, the, the Christmas music, music continues to play like throughout the entire fight scene, which is yeah. so cool. And you don't see that kind of stuff on kids shows. Like I feel like kids shows are very often like the music like has to just be constantly blaring mm-hmm. and it's always like cool rock music. So the fact that it's that they play up the Christmassy aspect of it <laughs> yeah. like so artfully is so good. Yeah. It's
0: so good. And they've, they've really done a bang up job specifically with Mysterio. Cause they did really cool, like fun music stuff with him. In his own dedicated episode too. Yeah. Like they yeah. use it in such a comical way that I guess, I guess is justified by Mysterio's presence in a way, but I'm just willing, I'm, I'm just happy they're willing to do it at all.
1: 100%. I also very happy about this great, this great joke. Uh, I don't even remember what really sets it up, but I think, you know, Mysterio is just like, like, Oh, you're, you're gloat Spider-Man, whatever. Oh my like he's, gosh. And then Spidey's response is, you are the expert on
0: premature gloatilation. I can't believe it. How did that end up in this episode?
1: I, don't, I guess because it's, it's like, so
0: ridiculous that you can't derive anything from it if you don't understand what they're making fun of. Yeah,
1: like I can't see a kid being like, "What's a gloatilation?" And it's just, and then because right. a, a parent could very easily just be like, "Define what to gloat right. means." Like you don't have to go into what the innuendo is. Exactly. It's on this. It's on the same level as the the Randy very Joe. Yeah. From last season. Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> I forgot about that. Love one. it.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> so, af- yeah, after he appears, and they make their premature glotilation joke. Mysterio summons his homunculi again, which I love. What a, what a fun reappearance of our favorite little baby gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Did you catch anything they said? Because I did not. Yes. They I think said, one, something had to do with, like, my lawyer, I think. But I didn't catch anything yeah, else.
1: When they get webbed up, they say, harassment, call my lawyer.
0: <laughs> and another one says, no Christmas spirit. Beautiful. Anyway, their their battle ultimately concludes when Craven, whose senses are muted, so this does make sense, attacks Spider Man on a second story display where there's like a Santa Claus next to where Mysterio is. But given the fact that Spider Man's up there because Mysterio's there, and he hears Mysterio shout out from somewhere else, Craven, no, don't do that. He realizes, like, wait a second, there can't be two Mysterios, and I know what this means. One of these isn't real. Figures out where the voice came from and is like, oh, shit, I'm not near the real Mysterio. So this one is probably a fake somehow um, and realizes that it's actually an android to self-destruct. Mm-hmm. And that kind of literally blows up the the rest of that fight.
1: Yeah. And again, distraction, focus. There's tons of that stuff
0: there. So. Right. <laughs> don't,
1: well, even, don't even have to call it And out. this it's is like there. the <laughs> one case
0: where one of the, the villains was actually trying to – I mean, Mysterio is the only villain that really fits into – this distraction theme from that side of things it just doesn't work yeah. out in his favor
1: <laughs> yeah because the other villain that he's working with is distracted right. and not focused on the right thing yeah. so yep it all makes sense and also throughout it there's like like a mall santa and elf that are there yep. and they just are so chill about all of this stuff i like, know they <laughs> are not reacting to anything ever they're just so dumbfounded funny. <laughs> like they're not, they're, yeah. it's
0: not like they're flat or anything. It's just that like, for whatever reason in the universe, they're just like, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. It's great. It's, it's good. It's good. But yeah, you know, everybody's defeated. Spidey webs up Mysterio. Police show up to detain him. All good. Everything's great. In
0: theory. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's funny is like that action is is the bulk of the episode. Like we there's barely anything left in this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because we cut right back to the Rockefeller Center and, you know, the, the, the tree is still down and Gwen and MJ are sort of awaiting news of Peter's whereabouts.
0: Because they think he got smashed.
1: They think that, he, yeah, they think the tree fell on him. They think the giant tree at the Rockefeller Center fell on him. And they're very clearly broken up about it. Yeah. And so, you know, Peter shows up, though, and it's just like, it's all fine. It's all good. I just went out to get some cocoa. What's, what happened? And, you know, <laughs> doing his whole, like, oblivious thing. Uh-huh. Which, you know, normally is okay and just makes him look like a weirdo, but at least, like, you know, is fine. But not in this case, because there's some drama happening. Uh, Gwen does instinctively, like, tackle hug him. And And I love, again, Gwen standing up for herself. Like, he spills his cocoa a little bit. He's like, ow, ow. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then she's like... No, wait! I'm not sorry. What do you? What happened? Yeah. What's going on? Why? Where did you go? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you should, <laughs> you should not be sorry. You never have to be sorry. Yeah. Wh- whenever it comes to Peter Parker, Gwen
0: literally never has to say sorry about anything ever. Even if yeah. she's wrong, I don't care. She just doesn't have to. <laughs> Honestly,
1: yeah, right? And that's so funny. I mean, it's I, I don't think this was they were thinking this when they were writing it, but I do think like it's there's a lot of conversation that I've seen about like the way that. A lot of people, but especially women, like, are sort of t- trained in society, like, to overly apologize yeah. for things. And I do think, like, again, sort of what you're saying about Gwen, like, her character archetype earlier is I think it, makes sen- it would make sense for her to be the type of character that is sort of being like constantly apologizing for things to be the one that like says, sorry. But so it's, it felt really meaningful to me that like she does it. And then immediately is like, no, fuck that. I'm not taking responsibility for anything. (laughs)
0: And and You know what? She's, she's perfectly capable of like coming to all these realizations on her own and all that. And I I don't want to take that away from her, but I do like the idea that if she's hanging out more with Mary Jane, that maybe some of this is also coming from a place of like being friends with, someone like Mary Jane who would never apologize for any of this shit. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Peter does recognize this after, after she shares that, like, I thought you literally died. Like I thought you got crushed by a tree. Yeah. And so he's just like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm actually like actively hurting her. Like no shit, Peter. <laughs> and, and it does prompt him. I'm, I'm very glad that he at least goes far enough that for that, it prompts him to like, start an apology trying to clear the air thing um but before he can like he d- he barely gets like four words into it before captain scacy is like he's gone and they've lifted the tree up and the vulture has disappeared yep
0: yep through yeah. like a hole in the ice yeah like somebody drilled a hole to like pull him through the ice i guess
1: <laughs> yeah it is it is weird to me though that like it's fine it's just a writery thing and there's plenty of ways you can rationalize it but like there's no reason that Peter couldn't have turned back around and continued his conversation with Gwen. Yes. Like no reason. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Absolutely no reason.
0: (laughs) Yes. Because, because we will end up finding out that that conversation still didn't happen. It doesn't happen in this episode. So there's no reason to believe that it would happen unless the next episode picks up immediately where this one does. And spoiler alert, it does not. So I was frustrated by that too. I was like, he could still talk to her. And even if they don't talk now, like, Gwen, especially with this, like, newfound confidence or this burgeoning confidence, I think could certainly say, like, you were about to say something to me. Are you going to say it, you know? So, yeah, I'm a little frustrated by that, too. It's not the end of the world. It's fine. Like, the show does require, based on what it's trying to accomplish, time jumps. And when you're doing that, like, there are just sometimes certain things you kind of have to excuse because – We'll see that this jumps about a week from this mm-hmm. episode to the next, and you just kind of have to be like, "All right, fine." Like, obviously the world went on, but like, they can't just assume that a week's worth of conversations happened. So we're just going to pick up where we left off.
1: Sure, it's like Peter just never called her. Yeah, <laughs> like these 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 little distraction things or like cut off things just kept happening. Yep. Yep. they're just cursed <laughs> it is I, I although I do think that this could have been I know that they're dealing with time constraints and stuff but I feel like just a really simple quick like they
0: could have figured her it dad's out.
1: there her dad could be like oh Gwen we need to go home or something like that like oh there's yeah some some way to to separate them I just don't like I, I think ending it here specifically is frustrating because it's such a it's like It's such a not – like it shouldn't be a thing that interrupted their conversation really, you know, that that ended it in the way that a lot of the other distractions that I think that have worked out better in past episodes have. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Well, it's not just Vulture that ends up missing because what we end up realizing, this isn't something that that other characters know, but we know as viewers that at each site where, well, I guess they end up figuring this out, but we learn it first, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So at each site where Spider-Man clashed with members of the New Six, the villains have been retrieved by the Tinkerer with the single exception of Mysterio, who we saw the police find. We then see that other people know this because we cut back to the mental health hospital where Otto is washing this news On the television and like poor little Otto is like freaking out because he's like, wait a second. None of this makes any sense. Something is wrong. Something didn't go the way that they wanted it to. And he's literally like rocking and saying like, something's not right. Something's not right. And Kafka being the incredible doctor she is, is like, (laughs) no, you're just worrying. You're totally fine. You'll be safe here. Meanwhile, there's like literally a boarded up wall like behind them. Like Kafka, you suck. Anyway, we kind of configure that something's about to happen and we end up hearing, we, we hear that there are, there's something climbing up the wall of the building. It smashes through the exact same wall that Craven did. And it's Dr. Octopus's tentacles without Doc Ock. And they basically wrap around him, abduct him, rip him out of the the hospital and walk away with him as he screams. It's, Pretty horrifying. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor little guy. <laughs> He's uh-huh. such a tiny little little hamster of a man. I know. Can't <laughs> escape those tentacles. Poor guy. Uh yeah, I like that scene though. I I you know I one thing I've been surprised by so far this season is that I I feel like there were some pretty like genuinely horrifying moments and animation in the first season And I feel Mm -hmm. like there have been a couple moments this season where they could have really done similar things or like really captured that same vibe because Hmm. there are horrifying situations. But I feel like they don't go as far with some of the like direct imagery or like like borrowing from like horror cinematography that they did in the first season here. Because I feel like this scene especially, I think it's a horrifying scene based on the content, but I don't think it's especially animated in a horror like way.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Which yeah, is you're a right. We
0: have thing for me.
1: It is because they've done, they've shown that they can do the horror homages incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. This would have been a perfect. They could have even, you know, would have been cool. I could have even seen like an homage to Spider Man Two, like yes! which they like <laughs> already love to do Raimi homages yeah. instead of it being like like instead of like the the doc like a doctor like having their nails dragged across the floor oh. by the tentacles it could have been otto himself oh. like wouldn't that have been wild
0: yeah that would i mean that would have been a really cool way of doing an homage that is like flipping the script a little bit uh, mm-hmm. or like role reversal yeah that would have been so cool oh that would have been so fun
1: yeah uh, they could have even
0: done like the shadow on the wall like as an homage Mm-hmm. Um, oh there's, there's they could have done such cool things I mean it's still, like I said the content of it is still scary Um, they just don't like animate it scary so eh, it's fine yeah it's fine
1: yeah if the show had not done horror stuff so well before I don't think we really yeah. would have cared it's even just thought the about fact it. that we've seen it the expectation is there now right so, you know, that's just – and that's just what this season has to do is figure out ways that it can kind of, like, one-up itself essentially, <laughs> which is hard because the bar is so right, high. Right, when so, you like, set
0: the bar all the way in the sky. <laughs> right,
1: right. So we'll we'll see where it lands at, by the end of the season. I'm curious to see, like – because I think that my feelings on the season as a whole, having seen the whole thing, is that I do think where, like, if if there are any weaknesses to it that maybe the first season did better, there are, there are things that this season specifically – does way better than the first season sure. did differently. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to kind of going through all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the episode ends at the Parker household um, with a really simple, cute scene. It's Christmas. Uh, I don't know that they clarified exactly that it was Christmas until this moment, um, but it is Christmas. No, they did at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. they They call out that it was a few days before Christmas. Oh, yeah. But like th- the end of the episode is actually Christmas or Christmas Eve.
1: Oh, right. No. Yeah. I guess they don't really. Yeah. You just kind of, you know, it's yeah, like Christmas yeah, right.
0: season or whatever. Um, But uh, the it, the only reason I call it out is because this show does specifically date certain things, um, mm-hmm. whereas some other shows don't always do that. So, yeah, um, this episode specifically ends on, I think, probably Christmas Eve. But um, Peter yeah. ends up giving Aunt May a Christmas present. And I, I you could kind of guess what it is. Um, because they make a comment that it's like their first Christmas without Uncle Ben, and it's a photo of the two of them with Uncle Ben, and he puts it on the man or she puts it on the mantle, and it's very sweet.
1: It is very sweet ending. Yeah, sweet little. Just it's a Christmas episode, so yeah. of course you're gonna have a little family thing at the end. It makes sense. Yeah, it's cute. and we haven't seen a ton it's of cute. Aunt
0: May, so I'm fine with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, always welcome seeing more Aunt May,
0: especially this one. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah, no, I should I should amend that. Always welcome, <laughs> always welcome seeing more of Spectacular's version of Aunt May, the good Aunt May. I'm gonna
0: isolate that clip and I'm going to <laughs> plaster it all over the internet. No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: all right, so one face of the episode this time. I just love how Liz and Flash's face is drawn right before Kenny like skates and like hits them all with like the the ice when he's like, want a slushy mm-hmm. and then just like, you know, gets a bunch of snow in their face. It's good. Um, it's
0: it's what my face was before I realized what Kenny was about to do. Because so like you're about to tackle yeah. your friend who has a broken leg on an ice rink, you fucking <laughs> asshole. And I believed it <laughs> I was gonna happen because it's freaking Kenny Kong.
1: Yep. Yep. But yeah. It's a good face. They're just they're just like surprised reactions. You're just drawn like extra cartoon initially yeah liz is um, especially and i love liz's little liz's little tiny mouth mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. <laughs> both of their mouths are really <laughs> tiny actually <laughs>
0: yeah it's good good stuff
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think um i will say and i guess i'll i'll ruminate on it more when we get to the next episode when a lot of stuff clarifies itself but it is one of those things where at, by the time i got to the end of this episode i was like i don't really understand what this why what the this i mean i guess like it felt like I know that ostensibly the whole plan of this episode was to, from the master planner, was to get the Sinister Six out there to defeat Spider-Man with the way that he planned to, which was by separating that into pairs. But I guess I was sort of expecting, because he is the master planner, that it would be, kind. considering that there's the extraction thing at the end of the episode, I was expecting it to feel like like, oh, Spidey beat the Sinister Six, but that wasn't, like, the real plan. That, that was a distraction for something else or whatever. And, and, again, we'll get into the next episode if that clarifies or not. But by the end of this episode, I was sort of like, I feel like I wanted there to be more, to, to be less straightforward of the Sinister Six's plan. But, I
0: don't know, it could just be me. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's appropriate to walk away from this being confused by what just happened. Yeah. Like I I I I think that makes I don't know if that's what you're saying, but I think that makes yeah. sense. Like again, we're speaking from the position of knowing what happens next, but I think where I was at the end of this episode, especially the first time I watched it, having seen what the the Sinister Six plan was, or what I what it appeared to be in this episode, or or whatever they were doing, and the fact that the master planner specifically answered Rhino's question with well, of course, I have a plan. Seeing that plan not work out, but then also seeing them all retrieved at the end, like I was certainly confused. Yeah, yeah. I, I, cool. I don't think it's supposed to feel clarified at all.
1: Okay, so it's not just me. Good. No, I don't think sense. so. I think I think you're supposed okay. to
0: walk. I think this this face of the episode is is emblematic of probably how you're supposed to feel at the end of it. <laughs> like what just I like that. What just happened? Yeah. But I still really yeah. like this episode because I do too. because the theme is so strong without being obvious. Like I really do. Thi- cause, cause I'll say this when I first watched this episode at the end of it, I was like, that episode was like surprisingly lackluster. Like there wasn't really anything to it because mm-hmm. after one watch, I was like, that's so we just got a second Sinister Six and they, they did a worse job than they did the first time. And, <laughs> and, and, and that was half the episode. Like it didn't make sense to me. But going back and and keeping the theme in mind, even though we walk away confused about what the deal was with the Sinister Six, I think it's a a really well crafted episode with with that in mind. And and maybe it needed to be because it's an episode that leaves you a bit confused. But uh, I I do think the way that it is so constantly woven through everything that's happening is really really skillful. I mean it really almost like almost never lets up this this idea of of misdirection and focus.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. I fully agree. This is definitely one that especially coming out off of the the last episode the Craven one,
0: which I still haven't quite figured out. Have you? I, I meant to yeah. rewatch it after having watched this one, and I forgot to, and I still am eh. not quite sure.
1: I don't think it would I don't think it would clarify anything. I don't think, I think so. that one is just is just an unusually like plotty one that doesn't really have the themes that the show normally does, honestly.
0: Right. I think it I think it solely exists to introduce Craven into this universe and that's that's it. Which for any other show not any other show, but for many other shows would be like totally fine and would be its own rationalization. But for this show is like out of out of character.
1: Yeah. You know, now I'm wondering if that's this is gonna be a thing that comes up a lot as we as we watch through this season is is, is this thing where it's just sort of like, if this were any other show, it would be fine. But for this show, it's weird. Like
0: That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think yeah. we, we praise this show for holding itself to a higher standard. So I think it's okay. As long as we're being clear and transparent about yeah. that relation to other properties, I think it's fine to hold them to the standard they hold themselves to.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair, too. Yeah. Still, at the end of the day, good episode. Oh, yeah. Fun episode. I really great, like it. Great action beautifully animated a lot of like this is one i think like group therapy is like a Ooh. better episode but I this episode, episode i think still for being yeah i know this episode still for being another sinister six episode they don't like they they don't skimp on like the fluid animation and there's just it's it's one of those things where you have to see it yeah to see how well they they choreograph their fights and how well that they pull it off. That
0: is an interesting um, point. It's all beautifully done because I do like as far as a Sinister Six episode goes. I like it for the action. As far as a Sinister Six episode goes, I don't love it because I'm conf- I'm left confused and and seemingly am like okay, so you all kind of just sucked at that. <laughs> but from like a from like a um. I mean, to say it a billion times, like from the theming of this this arc, it's it's just incredible and top-notch. Yeah. Yep, so yep, yep. Yeah. Hard to live up to group therapy, in it my is. opinion. That's like probably one of my favorite Spider-Man episodes, just in general. I Those think that's two. a
1: solid one to have as a favorite. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if you would like to hear more solid stuff about our favorite things, and sometimes <laughs> stuff that we don't like so much because we didn't know much about it going into it, you could check out our Patreon, where we do all sorts of stuff. We talk about Spider-Man things, we talk about not-Spider-Man things, we do commentaries, uh, all kinds of stuff for people looking for different things, and that's just at patreon.com slash See what might be for you. In the meantime, if you would like to find what Derek and I are doing individually, uh, you can find us all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are doing? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on
1: YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive Lens.
0: What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooly, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can find me on another podcast here on the 4Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. You can also find me on another podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Katie, Vicky, and I check in on everything that we are reading, watching, playing, and thinking about uh, just generally. Yep, yep, yep. And...
1: This should have just launched right before this episode drops. Actually, you can also find both of us on another podcast that we're doing.
0: Oh, my gosh. We're doing so much.
1: Right? We're doing so much. Uh, this is just a monthly podcast. Actually, it is called Falling with Style. It is an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we are watching all of Pixar movies chronologically. Um, so you can also look that up on all of your podcast apps. And we'll probably have a link to it on our uh, social media and on our website as well. Speaking of, you can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. And you can follow our social media uh, for the show at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping web pod we'd also love it for you to email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com and please rate review and subscribe to us on apple podcast we will do a dramatic reading of it if you post any review whether it's good or bad so please do that and next week we are continuing the engineering arc of spectacular spider-man as it ends and the master planner reveals himself and his master plan so much happening in the episode sheer strength
0: See you there. See ya. But what's really great about it is. Nothing. Nothing is good about this at all! <laughs>